Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking, located in the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Byron Earnhardt. I am the program director here at Barrett, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our corner of the banking world and hope that we can make your bank, your staff, and maybe even your day a better one. In today's episode, we have Dr. Burke Greenwald and Scott Stiles from Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Both of these gentlemen are among the most respected voices in agricultural economics and will be speaking at Barrett's first annual Ag Lending Summit on December 7. If your bank services the agricultural sector or you're thinking about expanding in that direction, you won't want to miss this conference. You can register at our website, barrett.ws. Finally, we here at Barrett want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving season. We are certainly thankful for you, the bankers we serve, and look forward to serving you in the upcoming year. Today we have Dr. Burke Greenwald and Scott Stiles from Arkansas State University. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this morning? Good, Byron. It's good to be with you today. Good, good. Tell us about yourselves and about the work that you all do at Arkansas State. Well, Byron, this is Burt Greenwald. I'm professor of agricultural economics here in the College of Agriculture at Arkansas State University. I grew up on the mm-hmm. family farm in Hazen, Arkansas, in East Arkansas, and I'm still involved with that as well. So mm-hmm. I teach courses in agribusiness, agrofinance, and um, the agricultural policy course. Good deal. Scott? Yes, uh, this I'm Scott Stiles. I'm an extension economist with the University of Arkansas, and I, I'm based in Jonesboro, and I've uh, worked with the uh, U of A Extension for almost 20 years, and okay. I work uh, in a variety of areas in farm management and ag policy, and uh, work closely with ag lenders, and uh, as well as our county uh, county extension staff and producers. Good deal. Well, I know that when I was a, an ag lender, uh, that the, the farm bill was always the big topic anybody wanted to talk about. And so I know that this year we have a farm bill in Washington and a lot of questions about that. So what can, where do we stand on the farm bill for this year? Well, Byron, as you know, um, Congress passes farm bills periodically. The farm bill we're operating under the, this past year, uh, uh, was signed back in 2014, and it expires, uh, actually began expiring September 30th. So we are in a situation that we need a new farm bill to continue our price and income safety net programs that farmers are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been um, work on that going back um, uh, throughout this uh, year. Uh, The House and Senate each passed their own version back in June, but there were some major differences between the two, and there's been work on uh, negotiations and conference committee work between the two houses since then to try to come to terms uh, to a bill that everyone could sign and or, or vote for and then hopefully the president will sign. What's happened here lately is uh, there were dis- major disagreements between the two houses on the work requirements that the House bill included, uh, tighter work requirements to qualify for a SNAP or the what we used to call the food stamp program. A lot of people don't realize that of the farm bill expenditures really go for our USDA food and nutrition programs and Mm -hmm. much smaller percentages for what we call the price and income safety net, conservation programs, and and, um, crop insurance, some other programs. So, you know, by by bringing it down to the wire here, uh, finally, uh, people start to give. And also, Byron, the elections we had uh, recently where the 
House of Representatives will go to, uh, with Democratic control in January has really changed the leverage in the negotiations. So mm-hmm. I believe what we'll see is the House uh, negotiators will agree to omit these tighter work requirements on the SNAP program, which would be in line with the Senate. Uh, the Senate may make some um adjustments on what they're willing to accept regarding some of the conservation programs that the House wanted to change. Um, I think the leaders, the House and Senate uh, committee chairs and their ranking members, uh, their goal is to have something uh, announced or finalized today that can go for a vote. So I think we will see the, right now, the, the idea is that we'll see a farm bill passed during the lame duck session. Good. Good to hear. Uh, I know that another Another topic of interest, in, both in the news and you know around where I live in North Mississippi, is the uh, U.S.-China trade situation, and then how that trickles down to the, the average farmer. What, what's going on with U.S.-China? Baron, I, I wanted to mention about about trade. Of course, I, I think that's that's one of the issues that's foremost on on growers' minds is is the impact of the trade disruption with China and what mm-hmm. that's done to soybean prices. And of course, that's that's the also the biggest concern among lenders right now is the low commodity prices. And since mm. the uh, since China imposed the uh, 25% tariffs on U.S. soybeans, we've seen soybean prices just collapse since since uh, the end of May, really. And at that time, uh, prices were around uh, 10.60 a bushel. And then by uh, you move out to mid-September and prices were in the low $8 range. So we had, you know, in excess of a of a 20% collapse in prices there over a, over a few months, uh, over the course of the summer and into the early, early fall. So the soybean market in particular really wants to see uh, some resolution with this uh, trade dispute with China. And over the past week, we've seen some, we've seen some, some response in prices, uh, uh, positive that is, in, in soybeans as the U.S. and uh, China are, are, or talking to each other at least once again ahead of the of the G20 meetings that are next week in Argentina. So, so the each time you see the dialogue restart between the U.S. and China, you see some favorable response in the in the soybean market. So, so that that commodity in particular wants to see wants to see this resolved sooner sooner <laughs> rather than later. Right. Well, I know. Speaking of soybeans, we've uh, Dr. Greenwald, you and I have talked about. Uh, in, in our conversation, and I've seen it, uh, again, sort of with the farmers that I, I talk to in my neck of the woods, uh, there's been some issues with poor seed quality. What's, what's going on with in, in, that, in that area? Well, this is something that um, was, I guess, unexpected uh, earlier in the year that we would have this type of wet fall and delayed harvest conditions that mm-hmm. on top of the uh, price reduction that Scott described uh, in the uh, world uh, commodity markets, we've also seen very large uh, price discounts at harvest time because of deteriorating quality of the grain, especially soybeans that's been delivered. Um, These have been quite substantial, um, anywhere from a few cents a bushel to well over a dollar a bushel discount. And this has been a big blow to producers on their, you know, farm income that they'd been projecting. And um, there's still a large or significant part of the U.S. or the Arkansas soybean crop still in the field. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, these discounts tend to become worse and worse. Uh, this is something Scott and the Extension Service has been following and 
I believe they're trying to quantify the, you know, the impact of this on the state's uh, farm income, but it's, it's going to be significant. Yeah, Scott, what are you seeing? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, each Monday we get a, you know, crop progress update from, from USDA. And last Monday, um, Arkansas had, um, still had 22% of the crop still, of the soybean crop still in the, in the field to, to be harvested. And I, and I doubt, you know, we'll see much progress in, in today's update. We had, you know, measurable snowfall, uh, last Wednesday and Thursday on the ground and, and, uh, you know, just continued, you know, cold, wet conditions. And I, I, I doubt we made much headway over the past week, if, if any. So, so normally we would, we would have, you know, 95% or so of the crop harvested at this point. And here we are at, you know, barely 80, 80%. So it's been mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a long, you know, a much more longer drawn out process than we're, than we were accustomed to seeing over the last two years, but but it's we've had um, just excessive amounts of rain and cold temperatures to go with that. That's uh, kept um, you know field conditions from drying out. Yeah. What about some of the other crops? What are some of the impacts that you're seeing from the odd climate issue or odd weather issues we've had this year? Well, we're you know we're at this point we're we're practically finished with the you know the corn harvest is finished here in the mid south the rice harvest is just in the last few you know the strangely enough there's a, a little bit of rice left but not not very much just a, a percent or two of that left but uh, soybeans and peanuts uh, you know peanuts would certainly be one that's it's not a crop we have a lot of mm-hmm. acreage in Arkansas, uh, but uh, one that's, you know, certainly been impacted by the weather, and we may have 40% mm-hmm. of, the, of the peanut crop still left to harvest, but but uh, mm-hmm. I'd say we, we were still uh, around 20% of the soybean crop still left to, left to go at this point. Mm. Mm. Scott, uh, how has the weather affected the cotton industry? Uh, Scott's very um, uh, informed on the cotton area. That's something, a crop I don't follow, Byron. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was actually my next question. <laughs> right. <laughs> being in Memphis, being know, located in Memphis, I was interested. The cotton is is it's king there. So, absolutely. Um, well, the, the harvest is further advanced in cotton than than mm-hmm. it is in soybeans, and but uh, certainly the rain, any amount of rain on on uh, cotton is not is not good for quality, and that's something that mm-hmm. that's, that's certainly going to be an issue and. Uh, this year, as the as the poor uh, or lower lower grades uh, of cotton uh, that we're going to have to try to move through export channels, we're so export dependent in cotton. We we export probably 80, 85, 80 to eighty five percent of our production here in the U.S. So it, it's certainly a, a plus when you've got a good good quality crop to mm-hmm. to move into export channels. But this year is going to be a problem because you've got, uh, you know, the excessive rains from Hurricane Florence and, and Michael in the southeast that, that really lowered the quality of the southeast crop. And then we've had Tropical Storm Gordon in the Mid-South, and then we've had the, had other rain events that moved through the High Plains. So, so from the High Plains to the southeast, you've got a, a much lower quality cotton crop than we've had you know, in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I've seen a lot of modules still in the field waiting to get out, and some just got yeah. some just got wrapped up uh, uh, this past week. And so, I mean, it's 
all that water sitting on them. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a tight year too for that. So the, um, been talking to some of my banker friends in Mississippi and they've, they've been projecting for them and budgeting for, you know, there's some wiggle room in the, in the cash flows, but it's, it's going to be a interesting ag lending, uh, scenario coming out of this year and going into next. So we're, we're, we're bracing for it. We're bracing for it and tightening the belts. So, uh, but gentlemen, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, your time today. I know that you'll be coming on December 7th to the Ag Lending uh, Summit that we're doing, our first annual Ag Lending Summit, and hope to make it an annual uh, annual event and so we can bring up some of the Ag Lending and keep uh, Ag Lending issues that are uh, facing bankers and uh, provide some some education to the banks that want to get uh, that need to get into the ag lending environment so thank you for your time and if i don't get a chance to tell you on the seventh thank you for uh, your time and uh, willing to help us with uh, help us with that so. thank you baron looking forward to your conference on the seventh yeah me too gentlemen y'all have a good day and have a good thanksgiving thank you byron it's been good to visit with you well, that's our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned a little something. If you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a five-star rating. You can follow us at Barrett Banking on Twitter or Barrett School of Banking on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we even have a new community banking road trip playlist on Spotify highlighting your favorite songs about your home state. Check that out and feel free to submit your favorite song about your state to add to the playlist. We have an ever-growing slate of classes, seminars, and webinars that are available, and not to mention our industry-recognized Graduate School of Banking every May, and we look forward to seeing you at any or all of our events. For more information, check out our website at barrett.ws. And from Memphis, the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, we'll see y'all next time on Main Street Banking.